Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and we've got Thursday Guide Talk starting here in just a minute or two. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful day. Uh, Dr. Mark Muska is going to join me in hour two, so that's the program for today. If you've got Bible questions, today is the day to bring them out, because we've got two hours of discussion with uh, pastors and theologians and all-around great people. We've got the power panel in place. With the exception of Peter Capture, we have Pastors Tom Brock, and Tom Parrish, and Agent 007, Justin Jepson. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be here, Bill, as always. Let let me start with my disclaimer. The views, opinions, and insinuations and lame jokes made by the guests do not reflect those of the show, the management, and the network. Mm, I would have to say that, right? Yeah, you do. Protect yourself. Yeah, it is protection. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, you all doing well? We're doing great. Good. I'm having a good day. Enjoying the summer. And Tom Brock, you did uh, some of your normal Thursday garage sailing today? I did. I, I, did break it. I come in here early. I sacrifice an hour of garage <laughs> sailing to be on this did you, show. Did you score anything today? I got a, a great scale, uh, you know, the kind you stand on when you go to the doctor. How much do you weigh? Um, I have lost. I lost 18 pounds because of COVID. Good and I've you. lost about another eight pounds. So I'm down there and I've stayed down there. I like it. Mm, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. You feel so better? You had to get a new scale, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have had to buy some new shorts. There you go. See, I'm glad I read the disclaimer. Right up front. I love it. Get that out of the way. All right. I want to invite all uh, listeners, if you've got a question for the power panel, let me know what it is. You can text it over to me right now, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Eight four, I've got my Bible open in Romans chapter three. It says, "For the grace, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you." So, I guess we each get different amounts of faith. Mm. Can we grow that faith? I think we can, can't we? Or is that a predetermined amount? Mm. Well, it's it's kind oh. of like a, a shelf bill, you know, where you've got a bunch of things on the shelf. And as the Lord introduces, you know, it, the power of the Spirit in your life, then we he gives us all those things. Those are all ours. The question is, how many of those do we incorporate into our life? You know, in terms of how I look at other people, how I talk about other people, how I study the Bible, or do I watch TV instead? So it's the choices I get to make, but I have the power that comes from Jesus, not me. And if I remember right, one of the 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit is faith. It is. And so here we, I mean, we all have saving faith that God grants us at mm-hmm. salvation. Mm-hmm. But then there's a special gift, and these are people that just are able to have faith and know what to believe in and what to claim, and, and those people have a special gift for it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point, Tom. And, uh, you know, I think there's a, I think often the gift of faith is coupled with the gift of apostleship, you know, and that's lower, lowercase a, not, not the office, but a gift of, of, of apostles, you know, thinking of a missionary or church planter, um, you know, kind of ones that pioneer new areas of ministry and maybe in areas of the world where the gospel hasn't reached yet. Um, but I, but I do think to, to a degree of, you know, think about kind of our personal faith and our growth in the, in the Lord, um, I think there is a relationship here between, again, it says, by the grace given to me, um, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I, I think there's there's a direct relationship between, uh, you know, grace and humility. You know, God gives grace to the humble, um, you know, but, but the proud he sees from afar. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, as James 4 says. So I think there's a there's a sense in which... Um, those those work together that we can continue to go grow in grace. Um, that as, hum, as as humility is produced in us, as we are humbling ourselves before the Lord, God continues to assign more and more faith to that uh, to, to us. And so um, I do think, Bill, that there is a, a relationship there that it's not necessarily we've reached our cap of faith. You know, I, I only have this much time as this much time as this much. And Bill, you know, obviously is way much more than all of us yeah, together. Course. But I'm the host. You know. <laughs> but you're the host, exactly. <laughs> but I, I do think Love there's a sense in which, you know, God has positioned himself in a relationship with us in such a way that, that we actually can um, determine or even decide how much we want to grow. In other words, I don't think God's the one limiting our growth in our relationship with him. Often we are the ones that are, are bringing about that limitation. You know, one of the real dangers that I've seen among people that receive Jesus you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, which is wonderful, and I'm all for it. The problem is it's like getting married at 17, 18, or 19, and now you've been married 50 years. And somehow the zing, the excitement, isn't there unless that is renewed. And the way, and what we need to do is not think that somehow we deserve all this that we've gotten or not think that somehow we're special, that Jesus selected us and called us and we believe in him, but that with that humility, to recognize who we are, what we're called to do, and give him thanks and be as excited about Jesus today as we were 50 years ago. And I like the verse from Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how do I get stronger faith? It's by listening to the word of God, reading the word of God, listening to good biblical sermons. Faith comes by hearing, and uh, that that's why... Faith is is something that I need the Word of God yeah. uh, to grow. And let me push that just a little further. That word hearing in the original language does not simply mean the ears. Mm-hmm. It means the heart. Faith comes by hearing deeply in your heart. And when you hear deeply in your heart, you react to it. You do something mm-hmm. with it. I mean, how many people hear the Word but don't do anything with mm-hmm. it? It's when you hear mm-hmm. it and do something with it, that's marvelous. I also want to yeah. say thank you to Rosella who corrected me. I said Romans three. I meant Romans twelve three. Oops, on that verse. And oh, nobody, just, nobody caught it. Nobody no. on the power panel caught it. So you're oh. all fired. Oh. Why not? We're out I the door. Just, the twelve was cut out. I, when you said Romans three, I turned to Romans three, and then he started reading. And I was like, "That's Romans 12. And then I was like, "Twelve three. Oh. So yeah, anyway, now, acting with I'm humility, to... we didn't want to embarrass you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, that's a good point, Tom. Thank yeah. you. You know, one other thing, guys, that comes up, I was just, you know, I think the, you know, the context here um, in terms of exercising faith is the outworking of the various spiritual gifts that God gives to people. And so I think part of what Paul's getting at here in terms of us thinking not more highly than we ought to think 
um, according to the faith assigned, is is the comparison trap that we often find ourselves in when we compare one spiritual gift to another. And uh, and we know Paul, you know, wrote extensively about that in first places like First Corinthians 12, where you know we have the tendency to elevate and highlight and place a disproportionate value on some gifts versus others. So I think part of what Paul's getting at here is. You know, we, we, we need to think rightly about the gift that God has given to us and have faith to activate that into our lives and to recognize that the, the value that that, um, that that gift has as God bestows it upon us according to his grace. You know, and so that's having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. So we're going to have different gifts and different mm-hmm. gifts require different kind of tailor-made faith, so to speak, for each individual as, it, as we function within the context of the body of Christ. And, you know, I, I just this morning I was reading what 1 Corinthians 12 about the spiritual gifts. And God, the Holy Spirit, apportions to each one individually as he wills. And that that means the Holy Spirit determines what gift you get. You don't determine it. The Holy Spirit does, which is why, I, I mean, I believe in speaking in tongues, but I have an issue with uh, churches that teach you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. Well, Paul says not all speak in tongues, do they? The answer to that is no. And so I and I, I think your point about humility, um, if, if the Holy Spirit is the one who's appointing who's a good preacher or who's a good um, giver or who's a good uh, uh, person with wisdom, that'll help us keep humble because the Holy Spirit's the one who's depart, uh, putting that out. Interesting perspective, gentlemen. Thank you for your answers. Uh, Heidi would like to know, she's been wondering lately about how Jesus was able to fast for 40 days, according to Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 2. Mm. Any thoughts on that? It's rough. <laughs> <laughs> it can be done, though. I mean, people have fasted 40, 60, 80 days. Water is a different matter. Yeah, that's right. You know, you've got to have the water. But in terms of the actual fasting, uh, I've known people. Uh, I, I remember I uh, went to a Bill Bright Campus Crusade event, and Bill had just come off a 40-day fast. And I actually got a chance to talk to him. I said, so what did you eat during those 40 days? Uh-huh. He said, I ate nothing. Yeah. I drank liquids. Right. And he did it. Yeah. You know. Now, there are there is a place or two where I think Mo, it's said of Moses, maybe, if I remember right, that he ate mm-hmm. nor drank for 40 days and 40 nights. Mm-hmm. And I think that one had to be a supernatural fast because if you don't drink for 40 days, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says, you know, I, I love... Uh, <laughs> I call it the greatest understatement of the Bible in Luke 4, the version of it. It says that he he ate nothing during those 40 days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one. You know, it's like we, we can't even go for, you know, 40 minutes sometimes without some hunger pain settling in. But it doesn't say that Jesus did not drink, um, you know, but I think part of what, you know, you mentioned Moses and Elijah is the other one, too, that, you know, fasted 40 days, 40 nights, and I think this is— a part of what Jesus is doing is the, really as the story of Jesus is the completion of the story of Israel and, and, and really Jesus functioning as the prophet, you know, the priest, the king. And so part of the reason why he did this was something that the Holy Spirit specifically led him into. And um, myself, I myself have never done a 40-day fast. I have a close friend who's done it two different times where he's done just liquids, but it, it definitely is possible. But if you, you think, and again, it's, it goes back to grace. Fasting is a grace. So it's not something that we can just, we're supposed to try to do and exercise our own willpower to accomplish. 
But if you believe God's inviting you into that, I, I would you know strongly recommend see your doctor first and and make sure that that's something that um, you know that could be it would be advisable to you and and something that you can do with wisdom um, all the while trusting in the Spirit's leading. And Jesus said, "When you fast, not if you fast." Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't so optional. fast. I mean, I, I knew I know a person that. I don't know if he still does it this way, but one day a week he would fast. And I'm preaching it myself now because I don't fast like I used to, but it's a it's part of the Christian life. So what's the longest you've ever fasted, Tom? I think it was four or five days. Yeah, I did five days once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I, I, I did six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> and I fasted once between breakfast and brunch. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, you're right with us. Yeah, I know. I All right. fast every day when I sleep. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, what, that's what's called breakfast. That's right. Break fast. Break that's fast. Right. All right, we'll be right yeah. back. I think we can mind this a little bit more. You're listening to The Guide Talk. We're absolutely welcoming your questions, so text them over, 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. You can specify who you would like to start answering your question if you like or I'll assign it to somebody or we'll just go from there again 877-93-FAITH be right back talk or guys that talk <laughs> here's a good question gentlemen uh, what is meant in first Timothy 215 about being saved by childbearing Tom you're an expert on this go wow. ahead <laughs> first Timothy chapter 2 215 right? yep. yes and Paul has just said that women should not preach over men in the church and then they he keeps going about women and he says but women shall be saved now there's two ways to handle this through childbearing, meaning generally, you have faith, God will keep you through the childbirth process. You'll generally, normally, not every time, but generally, normally make it through. That's one possibility. The other possibility is the women will be saved through the bearing of the child, and some people think that's a reference to the birth of Christ. Again, on something like this, you want to take out the old ESV study Bible. They're very good at telling you the various interpretations, and they'll give you... This is a very difficult verse. What do you mean you're going to be saved through childbearing? Does that mean if I don't have children, I'm not going to be saved as a woman? And you don't want to say that because Paul elsewhere says, you know, be be a virgin till you die. If You you know, that's preferable, 1 Corinthians 7. So if... uh, uh, it's a tough verse. That's why we need Bible commentaries to help us. They're very helpful. And one of the things I like about whether it's the ESV study Bible or the other good study resources out there, and one of the things that came out of the Protestant Reformation is Protestants developed a concept called doctrines, and doctrines are biblical truths is really what it means. But they said, unless we have two clear passages that talk about this, We'll recognize the passage is real and from the Bible, and we'll preach it and we'll acknowledge it, but we're not going to make it binding on people that somehow this has got to happen. 
where the salvation one, you look at how many references there are. There are multiple references in there. The one with childbearing, you look around the world back then, you look around the world today. You go to Asia, you go to Africa and elsewhere. Women die still at a very high rate through giving birth to children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it's really kind of shocking to see that. So uh, I believe what the Word of God says. But I'll be honest, after all the years of studying, I just kind of look at that verse and I go, huh, Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I have much to... (laughs) Much to add there. I was trying to look up. There's a there's a book uh, that was written called The Hard Sayings of the Bible, and if you you have a physical copy of it, I mean, it could stop a car. So it's it's thick. <laughs> so it's, this is definitely uh, this is one of the you know uh, one of the hard sayings to be sure. And and I think there is kind of a lot of different layers of things going on here. But I, I do I do definitely think there is something connected to the fact that right prior to this, you know, that Paul is talking about. Um, Adam and Eve, and again, she will be saved through childbearing. And I think that there's a sense in which this goes back to what theologians call the proto-euangelion in Genesis 3:15 that, that talks about um, that the that the seed of of the woman um, will will crush the head of the snake, but he will bruise his heel. And and really, this idea of of talking about just the way God has set up for humanity to be multiplied through childbearing. Um, to uh, multiply his image throughout the world is, is pointing to Christ. But Paul is also very clear, you know, and elsewhere, just, just prior to this, that we have one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, and the desires for all to be saved. So we know that childbearing in and of itself doesn't save somebody, but, but we know that Jesus entered in through entered into the world through that very process. Okay, now that you've totally confused us with Proto-Euangelion, do you know? Do you know what the definition of you and Gileon is? Good news. The good That's news. The word that we get the gospel. Yep, yep, exactly. And then the proto. What's the definition of that? First. 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 So the first the good first news the, yep. is what you're talking about with Adam and Eve. Genesis three fifteen. Yep. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and I agree with all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. I'm feeling so much better. <laughs> Yeah. Here's a question. Um, having exhausted all traditional and applicable options, many are suggesting I use medical cannabis for chronic pain. But as a Christian, I feel conflicted in this decision. They use various verses for and against. But what are your thoughts, scripturally speaking? I think it, I, I, don't, I wouldn't smoke it, but I'd take a pill or I'd take chew a brownie or whatever that means. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't do that. Well, but, every, but I think it's like anytime we take a drug, it, you it know. It comes from a plant it, in it, most yeah. cases. And so if it's, it's going to, and I don't think medical marijuana makes you high if you take it properly. Am I right? No, it doesn't. No. Yeah. The THC, I think, is removed yeah. from it. It is. But you know, I, it, I, yeah. the scripture says that God made everything good. Now, sin brought evil into the world. What that means is this. You can take anything out there in the world, and you can use it for good or you can use it for evil. So, it, you know, when it comes to cannabis, when it comes to anything like that, every single drug that's out there can be used for good or evil, mm-hmm. depending on the dosage, the amount that's used, how it's used, under what circumstances. So I don't think there's a specific scripture verse. I think the verse I'd apply to that is, ask the Lord for wisdom. In your case, mm-hmm. asking for wisdom, how to go about it, and what is the proper way to use this. And by all means, yeah. do it under a doctor's supervision. You know, yeah. get with somebody that actually works with this and knows what they're doing. Well, yeah. if, if you yeah, think I, about... I, oh, sorry, Justin, go ahead. No, 
No, I, I was just going to say, you know, I think there's a, a scripture, uh, a principle in scripture that I think that this, that, that I always point to when it comes to things like this and, and, and Paul in first Corinthians six, um, you know, he, he's talking here about, you know, fleeing sexual immorality and talking about a number of different things that the Corinthian church was wrestling with. And he says in verse 12 of first Corinthians six, all things are lawful for me. And that's in quotations, which means, you know, likely that he's quoting something that the Corinthians were saying, and often, you know, probably saying uh, that as a phrase to try to justify certain, you know, often sinful behavior. But then Paul gives his own commentary. He says, but not all things are helpful. All right. things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So I think you need it when it comes to things like this, um, you know, is it lawful? Is it helpful? And does it have the potential to dominate? In other words, to, to, to enslave you, to, to make you become addicted to. And, and, and I think those are sometimes helpful principles. So on one, on one hand, is it lawful? Well, yeah, yeah, it actually is lawful. It's okay to do that. If it was illegal to do so, then that'd be one of the ways that we honor God by honoring But I, I will tell you, one of the signs to me that America is hugely on the de- decline are the states that have legalized recreational marijuana. Sure. I mean, that well, to me is, is a different question. Oh, it is. Yeah. I know it is. I'm yeah. just making my point. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, turn, I turned on TV two nights ago. Yeah. Every time you start a sentence like that, I get nervous. <laughs> so, well, I, I, just so you know. Yeah, this is okay. Just so proceed cautiously. I, I, you're not going to disagree with this. I happen to turn on a horrible new ABC TV show called Celebrity Dating Game. Okay. I watched the last few minutes. The woman is not interviewing three men behind the curtain. She's interviewing a man and two women, and she picked the woman. And I'm thinking... Man is America in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember you need to remember too, and this is where it's going to be difficult. Yes, marijuana was was highly misused when I was growing up through the '60s, '70s, and on and on today. But now there's a whole industry of mar- uh, medical marijuana, and you've got people out there literally scientifically growing this stuff to its best potential. That is then used by uh, laboratories, used mm-hmm. by doctors, used by others, mm-hmm. help people with chronic pain, mm-hmm. to help people with all kind of uh, brain disorders. And it doesn't work for everybody, but no medicine mm-hmm. works for everybody, but people are getting real relief. And I think mm-hmm. that if we think that through, you know, if we use it properly, that's one thing. If it's used improperly mm-hmm. or illegally, that's a different matter. Right. And to, and to be clear, too, just because something's a law, I mean, it doesn't mean it's moral, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm right. not saying that that's why Paul goes on. Is it helpful, you know, to not be dominated by it? And so I think that's, you know, I'd encourage this listener to... Um, pay attention to your conscience, and you know. And if, if your conscience feels pricked and you feel conviction against using it, then we can trust the Lord that He'll provide another another option. Even though at this point it seems like everything's been exhausted. So, you know that's why you don't go to the state fair anymore, because cheese curds are illegal but they're immoral. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. All but... right, we'll be back with lots more guy talk. Maybe even find out what else Tom watched on TV. <laughs> If you have a question, I just watched a couple of minutes of it, Bill. If you have a question, <laughs> let me know what it is. You can send the text to 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. If you like the traditional old email way, bill at myfaithradio.com. I'll get your question that way as well, bill at myfaithradio.com. The Power Panel, Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Justin Jepson will be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. 
So glad that you can be with us today. If you're just jumping into your car wondering what's going on the show today, well, it's Guy Talk, and pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Justin Jepson are making up the power panel. Peter Kapsner is off today doing something with his family. I guess that's a valid excuse, right? Mm, sure. Yeah. It is. So we'll leave it at that, right? Sure. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked if they would... if his disciples would stay up and pray with him. Now, we're always so goal-oriented when it comes to prayer. What do you want me to pray for you? Isn't that right, kind of what right. it is? I have a prayer request, right? Right. What would have been the prayer request from Jesus that night if, if they said, well, what do you want us to pray for? I, it's total speculation. Well, no, I think, well, no, kinda, I think there's an answer to that yeah, one. Yeah, and what is it, Tom? Well, the answer is... What did Jesus you know, tell them to pray? Well... You know, that you don't fall into temptation, for one thing. But also, if, you know, if they were going to align themselves and pray with Jesus, it was that he would do the Father's will. So you've got the two together there, direct statement and indirect statement. He said specifically, pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh flesh is weak. weak. Yeah, yeah. I know that part. Okay. Yeah, but you often Mm -hmm. think about the mission that was before Jesus, that he would go to the cross. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking... We're so goal-oriented when it comes to praying. Now, uh-huh. I think I get up every day and say, you know, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. not too many of us are willing to pray, Father, I'm willing to die for what you're calling yeah, me to do. Point. The disciples certainly didn't understand mm-hmm. that. And quite honestly, most Christians don't understand that. And those that I know that have been martyred and talked to people that were there with them right at the very end, it didn't even dawn on them till the last moment. And then their faith kicked in, and they're willing to stand for the name of Jesus no matter what. And that's always been my prayer. You know, I can say, I can sit here and say, yep, I would not deny Jesus' name. I would stand for him. I'm a human. You know, I would much prefer that when that moment comes, if it does come, like Jesus, I can say, Father, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question, Bill. And, and I think, um, you know, I think this part should cause us to go back to see the, you know, the broader teaching of uh, around prayer and just what Jesus modeled. And I, I love Luke's version of this, and it, you know, and it says that he came out and went, and it says this, as was his custom. Mm. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that the only reason why we have any of Jesus' prayers written down for us is because he actually prayed with other people who heard him pray when he prayed, and then the Spirit brought it to remembrance. And so I think there's something that's powerful here that when we not only, Bill, are we so um, often goal-oriented, you know, or kind of uh, want some prayer to produce something, um, uh, we're also overly individualistic in prayer, whereas Jesus is primarily communal in prayer. And he definitely went off by himself to a desolate place and prayed by himself, but he so often prayed with his disciples. And so I think this is partly, you know, modeling for us of prayer is really about our presence with God and being with God. And so I think part of what Jesus is asking here, will you be with me in this hour in God's presence? And, you know, can, not because, yeah. No, go so ahead. I think that's a huge part. Well, I was going to say, again, not because he he needs them, but in a way he does. You know, he's in, he's dependent upon the Father, but interdependent upon his 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 disciples um, in, in such a way that, again, what he's modeling for us is fully God, fully man, and then also 
empowering us by descending the Spirit that we can emulate that same dynamic of prayer and lifestyle of prayer in our own lives. And not only can we be too um, goal-oriented in our prayers, we can be way too much in a rut. And I mean, for instance, I kind of pray the same stuff all the time. (laughs) And Mondays is the day I pray for health, safety, well-being, and salvation of people. Tuesdays are the day I pray for the uh, missionaries and the the pastors. And then, uh, you know, so, but you know what I did this morning? I got out my old, what they call, prayer clock. If you want to Google, just Google the words prayer clock, and it's a piece of paper with a big circle on it, and you spend five minutes at each station. Number one is praising God for his uh, character, and number two is listening to the Lord, and then number three is scripture praying, and then number four, making personal requests, and then number five, praying for the world, and then number six, you know, you, you go around the prayer clock, and sometimes it's okay to say, you know, Lord, what I normally pray for? ditto, and then you just go into the prayer <laughs> clock. And something mm-hmm. to me feels funny doing that, like, mm-hmm. uh-oh, he's, I'm in trouble now. i got to put in my... No, but you got to just... God knows what you normally pray. Just say, you know, Lord, what I normally pray, would you just do that? And now I'm just going to pray freely, pray the prayer, prayer clock, whatever. But I can really get into a rut the way I pray, where it's kind of boring. And I wonder, is it a little boring to the Lord, you mm-hmm. know? And it's okay to break out of the rut and just pray differently. I think the authenticity of the Gospels is what impresses me, Bill, when you look at that Garden of Gethsemane scene. Because shortly afterward, of course, they come and arrest Jesus in the Garden. I think of Mark's Gospel. And I'm a writer. And I I love to write. And sometimes I write things about myself in the writing, if it's appropriate. But I usually try to put it in a good light. (laughs) Not necessarily, oh, I was stupid when I did that. But you look at Mark's Gospel. And there's a pass- There's a portion in there where the writer says, and there was a young man in the garden, and when they came and took Jesus, they grabbed him, but stripped off his cloak, and he ran away naked. And almost everybody I've read says, that was Mark. Mark, the writer of Mark, is saying, yeah, I was there as a kid. And I'm sure that when that was read in churches, when Mark was still around, everybody kind of looked at Mark and smiled, but, but very honest. And that is a way of writing that tells me how authentic the Gospels are, because you don't find any other writing like that in history. It's phenomenal when you see the little anecdotes that are thrown in there that normally you wouldn't throw into that kind of writing. When I think of people saying, let's pray, usually the first response is, well, what are the prayer requests? Right. And what about just when we say, let's pray, mm-hmm. we just start worshiping mm-hmm. the Father. Yep. And we just yeah. we just start Open worship. Yes, and our hearts just Mm -hmm. pour gratitude. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to stop and say, well, what should we we be praying for? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think what often happens... Oh, go ahead, Bill. Well, I was just going to finish my my thought, which is there's absolutely nothing wrong at all. Of course, I encourage it to say, what are the prayer requests? Sure. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, does that have to be 100% of the time? Right. Right, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I think it's my experience, again, not to be overly critical about this, but when someone says, you know, are there any prayer requests, you normally there's a lot of blank stares, you know, for a period of time. But what often happens is, you know, there's usually a sharing time um, that occupies most of the time, and the least amount of time is actually spent praying. And and I think I, I often don't know what I need to pray for until I spend time focusing on God and worshiping Him and thanking Him and surrendering it to Him. And I think really that's what 
um, you know, I, I cut myself off and think in the last thought about us and we have to hearken back to Jesus teaching on prayer. And then think about the Lord's prayer and how, where he seeks requests in the context of the Lord's prayer. It's after a time of worshiping God as father, as holy, and then a time of surrendering to his will and wanting to, you know, heaven to come to earth. And then it's give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses and sins you know, then lead us not in temptation. So I think that, you know, the primary expression of prayer um, that we see in the life of Christ and in the New Testament and all Scripture in general is that of praise. And Bill, but it, what, do, what do the uh, crop dusters pray? They always begin with, let us spray. See, what did I say about the land jokes? Wow. No, seriously. Wow. Come on now, no. that's a good one. No, no, People no, around the no, Twin no, Cities uh, are uh, just uh, laughing. No, and... they're not. They're well, not. They're so not, no. Bill. And we got to keep the He's voices down. He's the Christian down. comedian. He should know. Well, just keep the voices down. <laughs> I, I have a biblical thought. <laughs> a biblical thought? I, I've taught that prayer wheel for 40 years. Because uh, I remember reading the book and pre- preaching through, the, you know, teaching through that. I've been privileged to lead a lot of prayer groups. Here's the problem, Bill. When we start with that, the first thing is praise. And whether I would lead a, you know, one minute on each part for 12 minutes or five minutes on each part for an hour, it is the praise that's the hardest one for people to do. Mm. Then I think the reason is for that, in their worship services that you go to, I don't know where all of us go to church, but you go to church, how do we praise? Well, it's usually through song. You take the song out of it. If the pastor simply stood up there and said, okay, we're going to take 15 minutes now just to praise the Lord, go ahead and say whatever you want to say, most churches would be silent. Mm. They would struggle with that. Well, part of the way we're going to teach people to give more praise to the Lord is to put them in more situations where they've got to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I learned when I would teach that prayer wheel, I spend more time in the praise part, and I just go silent. I remember the first group I did this with, we sat there for 15 minutes and nobody said a word. And then I finally said, you know, I want to praise you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for me. And then one little old woman said something. It took months. But then finally it reached a point where that group, I couldn't shut them up. I mean, praise became almost the whole group. And but we it, mitigate it against ourselves by the way we do it. One of the stops yeah. on the prayer clock is called scripture praying. Yes. And yeah. it's kind of fun to do. Like I had read scripture earlier that that hour, and then I get to the prayer clock, and now I'm doing my prayer time. And, okay, what did I read this morning? Okay, and I, I read, you know, uh, what was it? I can't remember now. But just you think back on what you read, and then you pray it into your life. Yes. It's kind of fun yeah. to read a passage of Scripture, stop after verse 1, and pray that verse yeah. into your life, and then go to verse 2 and or 3. Or pray it back to the Lord. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Well, and I, and I, I think we often divorce Bible reading from prayer, and we treat them as two separate things rather than— I think they're meant to be integrated in, um, you know, into one another. So, I mean, I like I like to use the phrase to pray read the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I think that what what fuels praise is is revelation of who God is, and where do we get that? We get that from the Word. And so, I think the best way to to talk to God and talk with God is is from His own Word. And so, I, I love Eugene Peterson said that prayer first and foremost is answering speech. We're not the initiate initiators; we're the responders. And so. Uh, I think when I even just, I begin a conversation with God in prayer with an open Bible, with open eyes, you know, I, we, we get this idea, I have to fold my hands and bow my head and close my eyes. You know, I, we actually, you know, <laughs> we don't see that, that that's not the only physical posture. I mean, I I love to go on a bike ride and pray. I love to oh, run sure. and pray, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's, I think we can exercise such great creativity when we pray because there's no limit to it. 
But you know, um, I, I never, I was not raised to pray kneeling. And when I was in college, some of my friends were, would get on their knees to pray. And okay, I'll try this. I love that. Oh yeah, it really keeps my mind mm-hmm. on the Lord when I'm on my knees. One thing we do, yeah. though, when you talk about scripture prayer, and it adds in with what you're talking about with praise. I remember a gentleman came to me and said that he was bitter towards somebody in his life, and he considered that person an enemy. But he said, I've been a Christian now for many years. I don't know how to forgive that person. What do I do? He said, every day I try to tell the Lord, help me to forgive that person. And I said, well, what's your favorite Bible verse? He said, John three sixteen. I said, okay, for the next 30 days, I want you to read that, but I want you to put that person's name in the text. For God so loved Bill that he gave his only begotten son. You pray that every day for 30 days. Within a week, he got back to me and he said, that was the most horrible thing you could have done to me. But it's also the best thing that's ever happened to me because for the first time in my life, the emotion is going away and the anger, and I'm starting to really think about what this person needs. So there's a lot of good ways to go about prayer, but that praise, I think, is a huge one. Tom, Tom, you bring up a really good point because, you know, Bill mentioned earlier, we're so often... um, you know, focused on, you know, production or goal goals in prayer. And I think, you know, we so often think of prayer, we're wanting God to change something or someone out there, a circumstance. But I think primary, you know, thing that he first wants to change is us and our own of hearts. Of course. And that's, and that's what prayer does. It brings, it cultivates that intimacy with the Lord so that our heart becomes further formed closer to his heart so that we actually are postured to live like Christ. So, I mean, I, I love the phrase, too. I mean, really, if we can pray like Jesus prayed, which we can because we know the Lord's Prayer, then we'll have the power to live like Jesus lived. Yeah. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the next question up is, what happened to Mary Magdalene after the, the resurrection? The Bible doesn't say anything about her after the Gospels. Mm-hmm. If you have a question, let me know what it is. 877-933-2484. Be right back. the show guy talk is from now until the end of the hour which is approximately 12 minutes so get your questions over to me 877-933-2484 a listener uh, wanted to know about whatever happened to mary magdalene after the resurrection the bible doesn't say anything about her after the gospels that's not about right that's the answer okay and you know i i hate it when you turn on the history channel or something like that and well there's evidence that mary magdalene married jesus no, no. there isn't no there's that's nothing you know, come on come on nonsense and, yeah and i mean the so i mean yeah just be you careful think about it though she played what i would say the biggest role human role in the resurrection of jesus because she was the first one that was given a commission from the risen lord to go tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and proceeding into Galilee. That is phenomenal. Think about that. What a privilege that would be to have that announcement to make to the whole world. And then have nobody believe you. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. They got kind of shocked though yeah. when they discovered it was all true, and then her status went up a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Justin. If you're not going to jump in, I will move on to another question. Go for it. I mean, I, again, it's, it's hard to say much where the Bible says so little, right? right? So of course. I, you know, I think there's not a lot we can mention here. I mean, there's different legends that say that, you know, she married the Apostle John or, you know, uh, accompanied him to, you know, when he pastored in Ephesus, um, you know, different things like that. But, you know, we really, that is speculation. We don't really have any, I think, good ver- verifiable historical evidence. And certainly um, not much is said within the context of, you uh, you know her life within the within the story of the Gospels, but um, but again, as Tom already said, I think it's it's really powerful to know that I mean she she was given the commission, and even though she yeah wasn't believed at first, I don't think she stopped. She probably kept on going and just spent her life um, as as a witness to the resurrection. Of oh Christ. yeah. All right, in the Gospel of John, Jesus, uh, where Jesus calls himself "I am" at least seven times. My pastor said that the I am is a title for God. Can the panel clarify this? And why is this important? When Moses was in front of the fiery bush, 1300... Burning bush? Yep. Yeah, burning bush, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. About 13, 1400 B.C. Okay, God, what's your name? So I can tell the Israelites what your name is. And God says, I am who I am, from which we uh-huh. get Yahweh or Jehovah. Right. And then Jesus yeah. says, I think it's eight times, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. people believe, and I think properly so, that he is patterned. Well, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews picked up mm-hmm. stones to throw at him because he, being a man, made himself out to be God. That's yeah, they said what? he bl- it was yeah. blasphemy. John 8, I think. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, another powerful place in that John is that, you know, at the at the garden at the, his arrest and then he steps forward to the crowd of you know the mob and the sh- soldiers and says who are you seeking they said jesus of nazareth and his his response was i am he and it says upon hearing this they withdrew and, and they fell back to the ground and so you think even just the sheer power of, of the glory of god um, in christ and you know and even in the, in the in the greek here and tom's more of the i think the greek geek amongst us all so you can correct me but you know the the Greek version of I am is ego eni, and um, and you, when you look at that in the original uh, in, in the Koine Greek, um, that's that's the phrase that Jesus uses. Yep. I am, I, I I am He. So and again, it's very much pointing back to He's making Himself equal. Well, it's God. a title. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a part of speech like we use in English. Like I'm going to the store. It was a title that no Jew would use. No Jew would use the term I am because they knew immediately what that meant. But I would, if Mm -hmm. if the Jehovah's Witnesses are at your door claiming Jesus is not God. They were here recently. uh Yeah. I would not go to those passages because those are more indirect. I know. I'd go to the direct passages. John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality uh, with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, became human. So I I think all those things do point to Christ's divinity, but the, the really clearer passages are what I take people to. I I had two wonderful Jehovah Witnesses come by. I always let them in. I mean, I, I genuinely love these people. They just don't have the full story. Well, I have hanging on my wall made out of wood. My son and I made it uh, the the sign that hung over Jesus in three languages. So you've got Aramaic, you've got Greek, and you've got Latin. And the Aramaic, you read backwards. You know, the other two you read forwards. Many scholars the, believe... The Hebrew you read backwards. The Hebrew you read backwards, right to left. The other two you read left to right, like we do in English. 
It's interesting because many scholars believe, and I do, that the first letters, it's called a tetragram, on the Hebrew words spell Yahweh. And that's why the Jews were so upset. Don't put that sign up there. Now, whether Herod understood that or not, but when the Jehovah Witnesses were at my house, this must have been an area supervisor, he looked at the tetragram and he just raised his eyes because the other guy who was with him said, what does that say? So I explained it to him. And the one turns to the other and goes, well, you never told me that. <laughs> so I, I don't think that went well that day. There's a comedian named Gary Mule Deer, and he has this bit about Jehovah's Witnesses coming to his house and says, you know, can we come in? And so he invites them in and gets them some lemonade, and they sit down in the living room. And he says to them, so what do you guys want to talk about? And they said, we don't know. We've never gotten this far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Wow. I'll tell you, though, honestly, for a Christian out there, if they come by your house and you have the time, invite them in. Sure. You know, talk to them. Uh-huh. And, and usually, and they always want me to take the Watchtower magazine and whatever else, and then I offer them one of my books. And they won't take <laughs> oh, it. Oh, they won't take my book. But I said, I'll tell you what, I will take the Watchtower if you, uh, if you can answer one question for me. But if you can't, you need to take my book. And the supervisor agreed. I couldn't believe that. I said, here it is. You know, Jesus has spoken to me. I know I'm forgiven. I know I have eternal life. I know, you know, I have peace inside. I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. What have you got that's better than that? I watched him close his book. Stand up and say, it's been nice being with you. And they walked out the door. Mm-hmm. Didn't they don't, take, didn't they take don't, my book either. They don't have assurance. No, they don't. They, they don't because they're a works-based. I asked a Jehovah's Witness. who This was the smartest Jehovah's Witness old guy that I'd never met. And I said, okay, how how are you saved? Well, by doing the work of the kingdom. And And what is the work of the kingdom? Well, in the book of Acts, they went door to door. So going door to door is their way of being saved, which is sad. Mm. Again, these are really good people, and and I love them dearly. They just have a bad idea that they need to get back into the Word deeply. Mm -hmm. Here's a listener that's got a good friend that actually goes back as far as childhood and just went through some major cancer surgery, and the doctors are not optimistic. And as a believer, I want to bring hope and comfort. Um, I'm just a little bit stumped as to how to do it under the circumstances. Any advice you Mm. might have for this person? Mm. One of the best things is to be with him as often as you can. Uh, Listen, pray with him, read scripture to him if he's open to doing that. Uh, Certainly pray for healing. There's nothing wrong with that. But also pray for the ultimate healing, which is knowing Jesus, to make sure that's clear. Because you and I cannot determine the outcome. Only the Lord Jesus can do that. What we can do is offer our time, our comfort, and our, our bringing the Lord's peace to be there. And I know I visited a man, Bill, honestly. He was in a coma for a year. I visited him once a week. I went and I read scripture, prayed over him every week. One day I get a phone call, and it's this guy. He'd come out of the coma. He said, Pastor, I want to talk to you. So I ran over to where he was, and he said, do you realize I remember every scripture passage you read i heard every one of them i heard every prayer even though i couldn't say a word i knew you were there and it brought me more comfort than i've ever had and that's what got me through a lot of this and i was stunned absolutely stunned you know because in one sense i was trying to be a good pastor but you could start to go through the motions too oh yeah i gotta go see him he's in the nursing home but it really that taught me something that day I appreciate all the comments, yeah. and I don't think we have time to delve into another question, even though there's still several more that have come in. 
I want to thank all the listeners for uh, making time to do that. And if you want to continue asking questions, I've got another full hour just ahead with Dr. Mark Muska. He is uh, uh, asked the professor anything. So we're going to have a, another full hour as we're preparing for a holiday weekend where you can have all kinds of opportunities to have discussions with your loved ones in the backyard picnics. You can say, hey, I heard this interesting thing on Faith Radio. You're never going to believe what I heard. But a perfect conversation starter because we need to take advantage of every opportunity we have. We have to uh, have a sense of urgency in our spirit to talk to others about the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have any parting comments or should I just wrap it up? Today's the only day we have, and that's why the Scripture says today is the day of salvation. So don't miss the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom B., mm-hmm. anything? Um, no, I'm sorry. That's I'm okay. blanking out. That's okay. Thinking of Fourth of July and hot dogs and beans. Yeah. In that order. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get any more fancy oh, yeah. than that, I, do I you? figured. No. That's, oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for uh, spending this time with us. The Power Panel has been Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Justin Jepson. We're going to take a short break and then be back with Dr. Mark Muska. We're going to continue our study of God's Word today and how it applies to your life. That's all coming up in the next hour. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.